Listening to KDNK's public affairs program for land's sake. Today we're privileged to have with us a guest, Charlie Jensen, who uh, has done the Triple Crown. And welcome, Charlie. Thanks so much for having me. Listen, uh, a lot of people don't know what the Triple Crown is, so can you uh, enlighten them for us? Sure. The Triple Crown consists of the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. And those are three of the longest recreational hiking trails in North America. And my goal is to do a calendar year version of that. So doing all three of those in, well, within a calendar year. Well, my, I'm going to jump right into my first question for you then. What? You know, when I heard that you did both of those in one year, I was I was quite amazed. And, I mean, some of the longest recreation hiking trails in North America. And what desire burned within you that set you, caused you to set a goal like that uh, to do the Triple Crown in one year? Well, the first time I actually conceptualized this was when I was actually on the Appalachian Trail the first time uh, in 2012. And... My goal was to do all three in a lifetime at that point. But after kind of thinking about it and assessing things, I believed I had the physical and, I guess, psychological capacity to be able to do all three within a calendar year. So um spent nine years planning, and wow. 22 was the jump-off year. So I decided to begin on February 3rd, 2022, which is my 34th birthday. All right. 34 years old and when you tried it. <laughs> yeah. What, what's that? I said 34 years old when you tried it. That's great. Correct. Yeah. Um, and I guess there was, uh, there was a lot of reasons why I, why I wanted to do it, and it's always a multifaceted response, and I feel like it kind of morphed over time. But it's a fairly rare feat. Uh, only 12 people prior prior to my to me being able to complete it uh, had done it, um, and so the challenge the challenge was there for sure, and the rarity of it was there, and I I wished to test my hiking and mountaineering merit and basically test my own physical and mental fortitude and hit the reset button kind of in, in life, strengthen my, my marriage uh, as counterintuitive as that may sound, um, prove to students and athletes across the three districts that I've taught in that really anything is possible, even though that's a pretty cliche thing, cliche thing to say, um, uh, represent my roots and make my family proud and in remembrance to my brother that passed away in 2019. So there's a lot of reasons behind it. Well, I kind of figured there were. And just for the people that are listening's uh, information here, the Appalachian Trail is like 2,200 miles. The Continental Divide correct. Trail is uh, like 3,100. Is that correct? And correct. Then, yeah, then, there, there's actually no set, there's no set route of the Continental Divide. 
Right. So my, my, my journey was about 2,600. Okay. That's, that's good to know. And then the, yeah. and then the Pacific Crest Trail is uh, 2,654. Okay. And, and so you add those up, and it, it, it comes almost 8,000 miles. Which is, is yeah. Amazing. So actually, the 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 hiking miles was seven thousand four hundred twelve, and then altogether it was uh, seven thousand five hundred forty-eight. That's close enough to eight thousand that I know I certainly couldn't do that even when I was when I was younger. So, <laughs> and you you're a teacher, so you took a year off from teaching. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually took a year and a half off. From year and teaching. a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was just because when I was done, I was actually living in Northern California for about eight months uh, with my wife, who is went back to travel nursing while I was actually on trail. Well, these are some of America's longest trails, and, and what condition did you find them in? And I, I knew the Continental Divide isn't totally complete in the sense that it's a trail like the Appalachian Trail, but... Uh, Correct. What What did you find? How the condition that they were in, and has that helped you or hindered you? You know, I feel like the, the the condition of the trails was pretty good to excellent. Although perhaps my assessment of especially the Appalachian Trail isn't accurate, since I was definitely doing it out of season because I started February third, so I saw very I saw a few people in the first week, and then I didn't see. Anybody from Hampton, Tennessee, like, I didn't see a single through hiker from Hampton, Tennessee until Kinsman Notch, New Hampshire. Wow. Just people just yeah. don't like so to do pretty, it in the winter. Huh? pretty vacant. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, so I, so when I went southbound in 2012, I did it out of season. And when I went northbound in 2022, I did it out of season. So there wasn't a lot of, like, trash or, you know, anything that that I saw that I would consider, like, poor. Okay. I guess, like, on, at least on the Appalachian Trail. And then on the Pacific Crest Trail, I feel like, despite the traffic, it was, it, was, it, seemed, it seemed pretty pristine to me, although I just kind of had, like, pace and time. I was pretty fixated on both of those things, so maybe I wasn't the best per I'm not the best person to ask, really. Okay. Well, you had to figure in your own mind to, to get your mindset right that you were going to do so many miles a day. Is that is that how you did it, so that you knew if you were going to make it that day or not? How, how did you time yourself to do it, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask. So I timed the or I decided on 2022 because I knew it was going to be a La Nina year. Uh-huh. So traditionally where the jet stream will, will go, it will probably slam, slam the Cascade, miss the Sierra, miss a lot of the Continental Divide trail, actually. Uh-huh. And then maybe northern New England, it'll get ugly. But other than that, the weather should stay pretty mild in theory. And it did. I was pretty lucky with, with weather. I mean, it got pretty bad at some point. But overall, it was it was I had fairly good weather. Like I would say, like unusually so. Well, so I was good. really <laughs> really thankful for that. Yeah, for and sure. then to decide to 
to decide starting on February 3rd, well, it was my 34th birthday, but also like it actually worked, worked out because my, my goal was to do it in, in under 10 months because wow. I didn't want to, I, I believed in like my, my capacity as an endurance athlete and as a hiker and having, you know, have, have it not be my first rodeo to, I felt like I could sacrifice um, hiking both in January and December if I could, you know, if I could help it, right. um, to be able to accomplish getting it done by December 31st of 2022. Gotcha. Still, so that, yeah, that's why I elected wow. to, to start in early February, and then I end up finishing by mid-November. Oh, wow. So you finished ahead of 12 months then? Yeah, it was 286 days. Wow, 286 days. Did you did you have a goal of so many miles a day, or did you just do what you felt your body could do for the day? Yeah, so kind of both. Um, I did have to kind of abide by how how I how I felt. So if I felt especially poor one day, you know, it's kind of live to hike another day kind of thing. But also, my goal was to hit a marathon a day. For as long as I was out, oh, but I wow. knew that was going to be around nine and a half months, and so I ended up averaging twenty six point four. So, wow! <laughs> so just over. That, that's amazing to me. I, it really is. Uh, did you end up doing running, or did you, some some portions you did, or did you just hike the whole thing? No, it was all hiking. Oh wow! That's even that's even more uh, astonishing to me, and and I guess. Too, one of the astonishing things is the logistics that must have had to go into to plan for this because I know in some hikes, especially in the desert, you know, you want to put a cache of water where you're you're going to go before you go there. So how, if you could describe for us a little bit of what the logistics was like. Yeah, of course. Um, logistics were, they could be challenging, but fortunately I have a logistically genius wife who really had that whole game dialed in, which was awesome. It, she definitely made my life a lot easier when I was on trail, for sure. Right. And, you know, getting, like, resupply drops could be challenging, and then, um, you know, having to fly, you know, from terminus to terminus or figure out ways to get from trail to trail could be challenging. Uh, I had to get off for a wedding, um, so I actually, there were 15 days that I, that I, I didn't hike at all. Uh, I had, um, some either days off trail or I had, you know, that were voluntary or that I was sick or I was transitioning between trails. So I had five total days of, of trail transition days. Uh-huh. Um, I had four days off for COVID because I got COVID oh, while on trail. Oh no. Um, I had three days off for a wedding and then I had another three days off that were voluntary throughout the year. So that if I was trying and I, I knew, I knew that there were going to be a few days uh, throughout the year that I wasn't going to be hiking at all. Um, but from the time that I started to the time that I finished, my goal was to still average a marathon a day, including those. Um, off days. So uh, fortunately, I was able to accomplish that as well. Uh, so it was 271 days of hiking, 286 days start to finish. Gotcha. 
What were your meals um, like uh, when, when you when you were supplied? What what was your supply look? What did it look like? There was a lot of processed sugar, and I was usually hanging out in the fifty five hundred to six thousand calorie a day range. When it was colder, that ballooned to seven thousand plus calories. I try to stick with pretty calorically dense food. Um, fortunately, my, my wife and I had bought a dehydrator. We yielded many, many pounds of beef jerky. And then also I ate a lot of couscous, a lot of tuna, and a lot of cashews. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it's just the food thing has always been rough when you're backpacking. You know, if one point A to point B and, and for a few days. So that's, you had it figured out really well before you even started then. A lot of planning. We tried. I mean, there's a lot of things that you have to do on the fly as well. Like, like give us an example. Um, I don't know, just when you're resupplying and you have to supplement with just food uh, from like a gas station or something. You just have to, you know, just stock up buy a bunch of Snickers bars and call it good. Okay. You're listening to KDNK's public affairs program for land's sake. Today our guest is Charlie Jensen. Uh, tell us some of your stories. I'm sure you have quite a few good stories along your, your trip there in all three places. And if you could just kind of share with us a little bit of maybe some really cool experiences and some things that, that uh, happened that weren't planned for that were not in your control. Yeah, um, so like best thing, worst thing kind of thing? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, being able to see my wife occasionally was really, really good. That was a huge like spirit boost, and I saw her maybe a total of 30 days uh, throughout the nine and a half months, and that was really nice. Fortunately, she was working a contract in Bakersfield, California, uh-huh. and for about 17 days, just on the PCT, just kind of in the Mojave Desert section, I was able to see her, which was really, really nice, and spent a couple nights inside at, like, hotels and getting proper meals and staying, just staying in a bed, which was nice, um, which was definitely not what I, what I was accustomed to on the um, Appalachian Trail. And then being able to see former students and athletes who I had like taught and coached before in Amish country in southern Pennsylvania, um, around Rutland, Vermont, on the Appalachian Trail. Um, another an, another athlete that I had uh, coached uh, was just about to graduate Stanford, so she met me at in South Lake Tahoe, California, and then basically from Steamboat. Uh, to Tennessee Pass in Colorado on the Continental Divide Trail. I was able to see friends and athletes, and I got a lot of help along the way in that little section, too, just because I was very close to home. So which trail did you finish up on, then? I finished on the Continental Divide. Okay. So I finished at, uh, so I went northbound on the Appalachian Trail, northbound on the Pacific Crest Trail, and then southbound on the Continental Divide. What about some things that happened at your worst-case scenario? Uh, by staving off hypothermia after allowing myself to get too wet and too cold. Uh, bad infection on day 11. I was on antibiotics for 
44 days. That was very early on, day 11 to day 55, which was rough. I had uh, cellulitis uh, that was, you know, that could have potentially turned septic that made my leg very, very painful just from a very small break in the skin that just got really, got really infected. Wow. Um, getting COVID on trail. I remember with two, with two weeks left when I was in the desert or I was leaving Grants, New Mexico, I ended up getting a pretty bad case of food poisoning. And uh, that was pretty close to the end. So there was definitely some challenges sprinkled in all over the place. It sounds like it for sure. I, I've had food poisoning where I, I don't think I could have gotten up out of bed practically, you know. So that's that's quite amazing. Yeah, it was not it was not fun being a, a two way fire hydrant in a snowstorm in the middle of the night after a, these pretty heavy mileage days for sure. What uh, what impressed you the most about about each trail that? that stuck in your mind as you were going hiking along them? Always the, the people that I encounter either on trail or people that go out of their way to help you, um, I guess within the immediate trail vicinity were really, really great. Um, the people experience make it kind of what it is. And I've said this before, but not only do you get to experience the best in nature, but also just the best in humanity. That's good to hear, I uh, for sure. What about some of those encounters in nature? Uh, tell us a little bit about those, if you would. Probably the most, uh, the one that sticks out in my mind the most was I was in New Jersey, and this was day 50-ish, 51-ish. And I encountered a um, family of bears that were just coming out of winter torpor or, or um, hibernation, if you like. And it was just starting to snow pretty hard, and it was just in the dark. And we came pretty close to each other, and I was hoping that they would have run off quickly and immediately and both of those things didn't happen so that wasn't that was a fairly unsettling moment yeah i can imagine uh, yeah and then just kind of watching where you step in the mojave desert there were a lot of western diamondback rattlesnakes a few few kind of close calls near lancaster california um or outside of lancaster california uh I guess probably the most like immediate threat were, you know, when we're, I guess we're talking about animals is just like mentally unstable humans was probably the most acute threat. Wow. Okay. Like the animals mentally unstable, you mean? No, no, no. I'm talking (laughs) about humans. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't expect to find mentally unstable people out on the trail, do you? Uh, (laughs) I've never. I don't encountered them, but yeah. I guess they're there. Yeah, they're, th- they're there for sure. What did, did you prepare like a safety kit, a first aid kit? Did you have a snake bite kit or anything like that that you could 
have available? Didn't have a snake bite kit. I had a pretty basic first aid kit. Most of that was normally in the form of either duct tape, KT tape, Neosporin, and hand sanitizer. The duct tape, if it can fix it with duct tape, you're, you're in luck then, aren't you? The duct tape goes a long way in when you're outdoors. It goes a long way. It'll fix a trekking pole. It'll, it'll fix the shin splint. It'll fix anything. What have you wished that you would have taken with you that you didn't? Or did you have any desires like that from after the trip? Uh, you know, fortunately, I trimmed down kind of my supply list to the point where I'm going to take everything that I need and nothing that I don't. And I feel like that's one thing that I actually really perfected. There's not one thing that I wish that I had, really. Well, that's good. What uh, the resupply when you were doing it did, uh, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how how many miles you could go and not have to worry about supplying or if it was the logistics part of it, kind of go back to that. I, I you, you had to have your act together really well. Right. Everything was pretty, was pretty well rehearsed. Everything was pretty well planned. Um, we, we set out like resupply boxes to critical points on the trails where resupply wouldn't be super easy or maybe there wasn't like a lot of resources in that town to actually resupply with. So on the Appalachian Trail, I was good more or less because I met family in Connecticut, which were, which were, that was great. But that's still like 1,400 miles in going northbound. So, um, you know, you're done with two-thirds of the trail already. There was, there were a few boxes I received on the Appalachian Trail, but because it's the East Coast and because you're, you're really never that far away from a town, it was pretty easy to resupply and you know, the Appalachian Trail is, I feel like it's pretty generous to call a lot of it wilderness. I mean, right. you're really never that far into the sticks. Whereas when you're on the Pacific Crest or Continental Divide Trail, if something goes sideways, you are, you're in it. The Continental Divide so, Trail, yeah, definitely, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a point from Kennedy Meadows, California to uh, to Tuolumne Meadows on trail. You don't cross a road of any kind for, what was it, over 450 miles. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's more than the width of Colorado. For sure. I mean, that's... I didn't realize there was a portion there on that trail that was that that much in the wilderness for sure. Yeah, the high the high Sierra is it's pretty high and pretty pretty exposed. Um, so it's uh, yeah, pretty much the the nearly the entire length of like the proper Sierra was was roadless. So to get resupply. I had to hike a, like a side trail, you know, seven and a half or eight miles down to a 
up like a parking lot or like a trailhead. And then, um, fortunately my, my, my wife really saved the day. Uh, this one day I was, I, I was egregiously unprepared, uh, the stretch between Kennedy Meadows, basically to Mammoth Lakes. And, um, she came and she came and, uh, had to, had to hike, had a mule food in to me. And then we hiked back out together, drove to Lone Pine, California, spent the night, and then I had to, I had to go climb over Kearsarge Pass, which is nearly a 3,000-foot ascent over over high alpine pass to get back to the PCT. So it sounds like the Pacific Coast Trail may have been the hardest. Is, is that what I'm hearing? No, the Appalachian – well, I guess it depends on, on, on where and when. It was a low snowpack year, but I was post-holing for the better part of 700 miles oh. on the Pacific Crest Trail through the High Sierra. So that was that was pretty challenging. But in terms of, like, feet on the ground, terrain-wise, the Appalachian Trail was definitely the most difficult. And even having done it twice, I kind of knew that going into it. Um, if you look at the number of miles and the, and the amount of ascent, I mean, it's just short of a million feet of elevation gain and loss just on the Appalachian Trail, which is enough to summit Everest from sea level 16 different times. Oh, man. And it's, the, it's by far the shortest of the three. Yeah, sh- short in terms of distance, but not up and down. Huh? In, terms, in terms of, yeah, right, in, term, in, in terms of distance. So um, you can definitely make miles faster on both the PCT and the CDT, um, my goal was obviously to get through Colorado um, by the end of October because I knew it, the, when, once the snow was going to start falling in mid to late October, it was going to be there to stay yeah. for you know until like June. Right. So I knew that I had to I had to get through. I mean, yes, yes, I would have. I wouldn't I, if if winter hit earlier, I wouldn't have quit at that point. I would have right. just kept going, but my life would have been. A lot more difficult, right. for sure. So, is a book in the works on this, Charlie? That uh, it sounds like it'd be a good idea to write a book about your experience. There is, there is a book in the works. Um, can't give you like a publication date. Uh, my hands are pretty full between um, teaching and coaching, and you know, being being new homeowners. You know, in this last year, and you know, back to my my wife and I living in the same place again, and. Um, you know, we just adopted a, um, a puppy three weeks ago, and so he's he's been a lot of fun. But uh, but a lot of work. We're burning the candle <laughs> at both ends, right? Pretty hard um, at this point in our lives. So uh, there there's there's not a whole lot of time to to write, but um, I do have about a ninety page outline um, that that I'm done with, and yeah. it's going to be called a thin ribbon of dreams. All right, uh, two hundred eighty days on the Appalachian Pacific Crest and Continental Divide Trails. Super. So listeners, be prepared for that uh, book when it comes out. really want to thank you today, uh, Charles, for being with us. And, uh, and it was a pleasure. And congratulations on that accomplishment. That's really a big one. Take care. Thanks so much, Bill. And you thanks bet. so much for hosting. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.